you are listening to Trophy Horse with your hosts, Tricky Mick, Alex, I Yield to No One, Sid, and Ender Phoenix. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Trophy Horrors. This is episode 609. I am your host tonight, Matt. And t- with me tonight, I got Tricky in the background. Tricky, say hello. What? Perfect. And alongside of me live tonight, I've got the man, the myth, the legend. Alex, how you doing? You know, if anyone can tell me why Skype updates every week, like what Microsoft is adding functionality or stability to that system or to that program... To update that often, I would love to know because Skype is just the same all the time. Why do we need these updates? Why? I tried showing Tricky there's other systems that we could do that don't require updates, but uh, he's resistant to change. I mean, they, it doesn't take that long to update, but every week it's like you got it you, before you can sign on. You have to update. Like, what is the purpose? What? That is the question. But the question I have is, he brings the awesome yield. How you doing? I am doing my part to spread managed democracy across the galaxy. Enjoying those cups of liberty? I am. So Very much so. Yeah. When, when, when I can get into the server. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll t- have we'll, we'll, Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hit on later. that later. But like I said, this is episode 609. Take out the zero. What do you have? A very nice episode. So, uh, yeah. We'll talk a little bit about how, it's it's a long weekend for me. How about you, gents? I know some of you may be doing things differently and therefore not having tomorrow off. Actually, I, I have a dental appointment tomorrow, so I'm off tomorrow. I uh, have to work tomorrow because I Ooh. don't don't really get days off, to be honest with you, except for like Christmas and Thanksgiving. Those are like the days that I have guaranteed off. Otherwise, you show up to work. I've I've been there. I, I give you a lot of credit for going through that. To be fair, it's by every, my own choice because year. I could have clearly found another job at this point, and I've stuck with this one for going on 13 years now, 13 years in March. So it's just what I do. I get it. I get it. Now, I, I was there as well. I, in the past, when I used to work for a big box retail store, it was funny because uh, every – yeah, it was Christmas and Thanksgiving were the only days off during the year. And my store manager at the time talked about how they would do a football, a touch football game out in this uh, city field that they would go play on. And they invited me since I was new to the store that time. I said, no, I'm not good with that sports thing. So uh, the only sports I do, and at the time it was paintball. So I said, if you guys want me to be out there sniping shots, I'll gladly take you up on that offer. They said, no, we're good. Um, but yeah, I've been there, Alex. I, I know what that's like. Just, just not. Oh, you get two days off during the year scheduled. It's rough. I, I mean, I've worked my. To be fair, I've worked myself into a pretty nice schedule week to week. So I, I can't complain. Good. But we are not here to talk about work. We are here to talk about well, first and foremost, trophies. So we will go here through an updated trophy count. Tricky is a level nine hundred. Total trophy count of 29,885 and a platinum count of 827. Alex, your count, sir. 
level 502 from the 502, a total trophy count of 9,720, and a platinum count of 167 in 166 games. Yield? I am a newly minted 507 with a trophy count of 10,035 and a new platinum count of 183. And I am a oldly minted level 220, 1,309 trophies, and a platinum count of zero. And Sid is, of course, level 884, total count 26,517, with a platinum count of 829. And with that out of the way, it is time to go into what we've been playing. Uh, Alex, I'll, I'll defer to you first. Well... Making my way through, uh, I've actually finally beaten uh, Plague Tale Requiem. Um, the game, so some of my complaints were made a little bit better, ameliorated towards the end of the game, because once Hugo and Amelia, or Amicia, not Amelia, Amicia, Hugo and Amicia are together more often, like through the rest of the game, um, you see that kind of relationship, block, like you get to see them interact, and it's not just Amicia wailing about Hugo. Um, so you get to see how they interact and then they, you know, they make friends along the way. So like you got a group of three and everybody brings their own thing to the group. So it gets a lot better. And for, and as far as the storytelling goes in the game, uh, and they do this little thing where Hugo and Amicia are almost always, always, always holding hands. So visually you see that relationship and it kind of builds that bond, um, as the game goes on. I really think the first like four chapters do that game a disservice because I think like with Matt, they can tend to chase you away, but if you can get through it. Um, the, the, the storytelling does get better and more effective later on. And, you know, how I explained that, you know, you kind of feel helpless. Well, later on you get a crossbow and one of the upgrades you can do for the crossbow is reinforce bolts. So essentially, uh, you can, it basically makes your bolt stronger. So you can shoot an enemy and then go pick up the bolt again. So you kind of not have unlimited ammo, but if you take care of it, you can, you can have like a steady stream of ammo, which makes the combat a lot better. You're no longer as defenseless. You can kind of just wipe out everyone in, in an area all the guards in an area with your crossbow and you feel, you know, pretty damn good. Ah, so goody, you can kill people now other than using rats. Yeah. Other than using rocks and a sling. Um, but the crossbow definitely does help with the combat, making the combat more enjoyable. So the game gets better as it goes on. It's just the early part is just kind of a, a slow start and, and unfortunately may, you know, uh, chase people away, but uh, the game does get better. Um, there are a few things that I did like about the game. Like there are passive upgrades based on how you encounter the enemies. Like if you're more aggressive killing enemy, it basically depends on how many enemies you kill it during a time or the percentages. So if you kill all of them or a certain amount, a high amount, you're more aggressive. So it, it, uh, up certain, a certain skill tree, um, a tree, I should say it's there's three lines. There's three tiers There's passive, um, opportunistic, and then aggressive. And basically how you play determines which perks, uh, passive perks you get along the way. You don't have to upgrade them yourself. They just kind of upgrade automatically based on how you play the game. And then I liked how the puzzles were built around the rats. Um, a lot of the environmental puzzles were built around getting, using light to get past these swarms of rats. So there were things about the game I really liked, and it did get better as it went along, especially with the storytelling. Uh, but man, the first four chapters are not super great to go through. Um, and it's sometimes the pacing of the game, like some of the chapters are super long and it kind of felt like they could have chopped those up a little bit. Cause I believe personally that game designers, they need to make, it's okay to have some longer chapters, but in general, like for like getting through games and sense of accomplishment, I really think it's better for the player if they're cut up into smaller sections, not like, you know, walk 15 feet and then you're done, but like an hour or under, you know, if you're getting to two hours to, to beat a chapter, it's kind of like, oh, this is, this is a little bit mush. 
So like the change of pace, the change of settings, like the change of objectives, I think it's really important for players to be get refreshed every now and again more often. So I do think the game does have a few pacing issues, um, but I can definitely see why the game was nominated for certain awards um, a couple years ago. I think it came out in 2022 um, and definitely got some love from the game awards. I, I can see why. Um, but yeah, game got better as it went along. So just, um, you know, if you're if you're kind of muddling through the beginning, maybe keep that in mind. One of the most befuddling decisions, though, that they did for New Game Plus, uh, you have to play New Game Plus on the hardest difficulty, which I don't think unlocks until you beat the game. So it's like, hey, beat the hardest difficulty. You can't change it if you want to play on New Game Plus, and you have to go through again to upgrade all of your skills for trophies. But I personally feel like you should be able to play on any difficulty you want. Resident Evil, Evil West, they allow you to play on whatever difficulty you want. So I've already beaten the game. Don't make me play on the hardest difficulty just... To get just to be able to play New Game Plus. Um, so a little bit of a weird decision there. I will say, though, I'm not really having a ton of trouble going through on Ultimate Difficulty on New Game Plus, but still, it's just, it's weird. Just let me play on the difficulty I want and, and just let me be happy. But, but yeah, it's pretty much that. And uh, still haven't cracked into Helldivers yet, but I'm trying to get done with Plague Tale before the end of February so I can uh, at least beat my minimum goal of one Platinum per month. But uh, yeah, now, we'll see if I get there. Now, so having... Finish the story in Requiem. Would you want to play Innocence? Knowing how it all ends, I don't know. I mean, I, I, okay. I get that I, you know, growing up, I watched Star Wars episodes four, five, and six first, and then later went back to one, two, and three, and I was perfectly fine with that. But knowing how, and by the way, I'll just tell everybody, uh, Plague Tale Requiem is not a happy story. It's it's just not. Um, so, you know, if if you don't want to be sad, or if you don't, you know want to get hit in the feels, maybe, maybe stay away. But, um, yeah, I think knowing how the story ends out, I, I don't know if I really need to, to be honest, uh, their yield. Okay. Unless it's just a, a spectacularly good game, but if it's more of the same gameplay as I have in Requiem, which is fine, you know, I said, like I said, the game got better. I, I enjoyed it more as I went along. You know, I started, instead of just doing one chapter a night, cause I was just done with playing the game. It, I was starting to move to two, three, four chapters a night, you know, to finish out the story. Yeah, um, but unless you think it's like a must play, then you know no. I mean, I enjoyed it for the story. Uh, it, you, the entire game combat wise, all you have is your, your basically your uh, slingshot. Not really your slingshot, but you know what I'm saying. I can't think of what it's called. You know, when you fling the rock. Your yeah, your sling. But, it's just called a sling. Your, your sling. Sorry, you got your sling, and you use. Um, the light to either move the rats or have them attack the enemy. So, so do you have like items of alchemy in, cause your mother in the story is an alchemist. So, so yeah, so yes, you do end up with the ability to use, uh, fire, some, al- fire. some alchemy, but that's like the latter half of the game. Okay, because they start you off with the alchemy pretty early on in this game, so which kind of makes sense considering you kind of had access to it at the end of the first game. Yeah, yeah, but just like if you're if you're basically going off your sling and not even your alchemy, you know, you don't even have a baseball bat with barbed wire on it for God's sakes. Uh, if you're just doing the sling most of the game, it sounds like I'm I'm kind of better off. Like I've gotten, I know where the story goes, I know where the characters end up, so it's probably I don't know, probably best if I just skip it yeah. since at this point I think. I got you. I just wanted to know how how much your opinion had changed. I mean, it definitely it definitely had changed. Um, but you know, to 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 go back and you know 
Like a lot of that was because of the crossbow, to be honest with you. So, because um, the crossbow, like the sling is ineffective against enemies with helmets on. So you can't, you yeah. know, throwing rocks at an enemy with a metal helmet nope. on doesn't make sense. With nope. the crossbow, it don't matter if you have a helmet on or not. If it goes through, you know, your soft torso, you're done. And it only takes one shot from a crossbow to kill somebody. So that's part of the reason the combat got a lot better. But, but yeah. Matt, did I, did my final appraisal of the game change your opinion at all? Nope. All right. No. Fair enough. Definitely not going to go back and try to play any of those games. Any Plague games. Yeah. Well, I was, there's only two, I just right? found myself being bored. Yeah, there's only two. Okay. Yeah. So, Matt, you that's just found okay. yourself being bored? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, the, the early part of the game is kind of a disservice to the game, I think. But, you know, if you push through, maybe you'll – those of you who are playing it can, can find some gold. Yeah, and I, there's – listen – it obviously warranted a sequel. There was plenty of people who liked the first one and plenty of people who liked the second one. So therefore, I'm not going to be out here calling it a bad game by any means. Just it wasn't my cup of tea. And there's plenty of people whose cup of tea it will be. But uh, Tricky, or not Tricky, Tricky, you're in the background. You can't talk. If there's any games you're playing besides Suicide Squad, please let us know. But if we're going to sit here and talk about tea, Yield. Yes. Any other games that you've been dealing with that don't deal with Cups of Liberty? So, yeah, uh, not very much this week. Uh, I uh, have messed around with three games this week. Uh, Lego 2K Drive. I, I need to not let that sit on the back burner too long. So I, uh, I was able to find all the collectibles in the entire game and not use a collectible guide. That's me patting myself on the back. Uh, I didn't do, I, I wanted to, but I didn't pull out a guide because there's a trophy for drive two, 3,000 miles and a trophy to drive 6,000 miles. And I have collected everything in the game and I'm only 71% of the way to 3,000 miles. So I got a long grind of head to just get those two trophies. And I have to dodge 50 missiles in a race. So now it's just going to be driving around the map and driving through races to get those last three trophies to get the platinum. I've, so I've been doing that. Uh, of course, I've been playing a lot of Helldivers 2 when the servers cooperate. And my platinum this week was uh, KO the Kangaroo. Are you going to download the DLC levels to get 100% I will. I will. I'll go after him. I don't know if I'm going to do it right away or if I'm going to wait or what. Since I'm real deep into Helldivers 2, I picked up Skull and Bones because I had it pre-ordered. And I, every time I'm thinking, like, I'm going to play some Skull and Bones, everybody's playing Helldivers. And I'm like, well, I'm going to play Helldivers. So I, 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 other than to open it up and look at the insides of, of what the case was and all that, I haven't even popped it in my system yet. So I'm going to try to, like, get through a few things before I circle back, but I do want a hundred percent it. Okay. That it? That's it. Three measly games this week. have taken up my entire time. I'm, I'm almost with you on that number. I'm just a little bit more, uh, but tricky did say he's been playing the division two, God of war, Ragnarok, and that uh, he beat suicide squad. So I'm sure we'll, uh, you know, next week, maybe we'll ask him for a write up or something that we could talk about. That way it gets his impressions of it. Because none of us have played Suicide Squad, right? No, I had no desire to play. None of us will be playing Suicide Squad. Let me just throw that, <laughs> throw that Sound, out there. Sounds, yep. 
I uh, I'm in I, agreement there. I, I don't disagree with you, Tricky. That it's good. I just like I said after I saw the state of play, I was like, nope, I'm done. I, I, I sat down and I watched Angry Joe and his team play it, and I just said, okay, cool, I'm good. Anyways, uh, as far as what I've been playing, so uh, I went back and I started playing a little bit more of the no return mode on last of us part two remastered, which is really fun. I, I, without having to go back and play the story, I like being able to just jump in and play something real quick with the game allowed me to get to the controls, some, some of the brutality of playing the game and it's fun. I also started playing midnight suns because that came on a recent humble monthly bundle. And I was kind of eyeing the game and the game came out, I think a a little bit after Marvel's Avengers and it kind of got overshadowed but it is a strategy game where you have a card system that allows you your heroes to use their abilities. And that's how you fight. It's a neat little concept and it's actually pretty good. It's a nice story. It covers the story. If you're not familiar with Marvel comics is Lilith. She's like a mother of demons and the midnight Suns are a team that, uh, that fight her. So I've been playing that. And some very, very sad news is that due to an unexpected power outage, our Pal World dedicated server has completely died. We put, you know, me and two other people, V included, and our friend Steve put dozens upon dozens of hours into building up this server. And the thing we found, Pal World does not like to be unexpectedly shut down. As a result, I've spent about three or four hours trying to remediate, try to recover the data, and no luck. And because I didn't think that was ever going to be a problem, I didn't back up any of the data. So here we are. Unfortunately, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break on a dedicated server until maybe they do a couple different patches. And I have a wild Nargakuga in the background. Hi, how are you doing? Oh. Nargakuga is my cat, for those people who don't know. He decided to come in for a little sneak peek of what's going on. That's worth checking out the stream just for that. <sighs> he, he's cuddling me, right? Or I'm forcing him to cuddle. Um, so anyway, that's the sad state of the Power World, which is still a fantastic, fun game to play with friends. And unfortunately, we just ran into a technical glitch. Did I see that the game is losing players? Yes, but here's the thing. And the the developers came out and said, listen, we're, we're still developing it. There's still things uh, that we're working on. But if you beat the story, if you beat all the bosses and the content we have now, go ahead and play something else. That's that's what games are for. We're, in other words, we're not here to lock you into a you must play at all times, which I think is a very interesting take for a developer to, to put out there. So, um, yeah, we're going to take a break from that. And that's mostly because Helldivers 2 has been consuming my week. And I've been sharing clips with Yield as... He's seen me hilariously not make it out of the most dire of situations, uh, mostly because friends are bombarding me with their with their orbital strikes. That's but, why. That's why you yell heads up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it doesn't work when the orbital strike lands right next right to me, your and feet. I have no, no time. No, no you're to pretty escape. much toast. But um, so but I, hey, I've sometimes sometimes your sacrifice is what's needed for the cause of liberty. I guess, and that's why they've got reinforcements. 
But the the clip of the week is me using my flamethrower and my Helldiver laughing maniacally as I'm torching everything around it. It's 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 a good time. Um, currently, I think I'm level six in the war bonds in the free war bonds, and I am about uh, eighty super credits away from being able to buy the premium war bond, all without spending a cent in their store. Because you can earn the super credits, which is their premium currency, by playing the game. And their microtransactions are actually microtransactions, like a helmet will cost you maybe a buck fifty, two bucks. A a chest, maybe three bucks. Yeah, it, it, a, if you want to buy those funky ones, they've got the in-game yeah. ones you can use your medals on. Just fine. Well, and, and that's the thing, because then earning the super bucks or earning the super credits and then buying the premium war bond with credits I earned or found in game means I don't have to spend money and it's not super grindy. When you do a drop, you can, you can earn probably a good 30 super credits just by exploring the map. Yeah. Which you know, it's it, you're doing that naturally playing the game because you could also find medals, which is their in-game currency playing in the map. You could find requisition slips, which is their in-game currency, and then you can find super credits. I don't know many other games that allow you to just drop after drop after drop, find their currency in-game. I've seen games that'll let you uh, earn it through daily rewards or weekly rewards, meaning you have to grind a full week just to get like maybe a 50 cents of their premium currency this game is just letting you grab it whenever you can so that that's impressive and i appreciate uh arrowheads their initiative on making this feel less predatory yeah so, and it's not really a, a pay to win type thing so i well i i, I, I like it like, like you're like you're saying it there's a lot of stuff that you can purchase you know, you can buy the super credits outright if you want, but you you don't need to. And if you don't, it's not like that gives you an unfair advantage because the weapons that you can buy in the premium war bond aren't necessarily better than the ones that you can get in the free war bond. They, they just got a special ability because they don't pack yeah. the same punch. I, I think I've seen that the ones in the premium war bond have like elemental capabilities where yeah. the ones in the not so, are just standard. So right now I, I'm liking the breaker, which is an automatic shotgun. That yep. that kind of seems to be my gun, all right? The breaker, I think, is doing a, we'll say like a 60 damage. I'm, I'm probably wrong, but we'll say it's doing a 60 damage, right? Fully automatic. I also have the incinerary breaker because I thought, man, that'd be great for the bugs, which it... It kind of is, but the problem is the incinerary breaker is either single shot or burst shot as compared to fully automatic, and it does 50 damage compared to like 60 or 70 damage to the breaker. The positive to the incinerary breaker is it's got like a drum magazine, so it carries like another 15, 20 more rounds than your breaker. So So there's trade-offs. It's a trade-off, but I tend, like I use it, and it's great if the enemies are in a distance because you can start setting them on fire. But then when they get up close, it doesn't pack that punch that the breaker has. So I end up going back to my breaker because when I get swarmed, I need something to get them off me. So, yeah, there's a trade-off. It all depends on your play style. 
Yeah, so I'm looking forward, and the next week I'll have enough credits. I'll pick up the premium war bond, and I'll start putting my medals towards things in there. But that's also the trade-off, because if I start doing that, then it means I'm spending less medals in the regular war bond and maybe not getting the weapons there. So it, it it's a different style of play that I want to look at, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But I'm having a blast playing it, literally and figuratively. Uh, my friends and I are dropping whenever we can. And if you haven't noticed... The hell pods are just basically bullets. The ship is firing at the at the uh, planet at, at the ground. Yeah, I noticed that. It's awesome. The entry sequences are so cool. Yeah. Well, also cool is uh, this week's topics, which uh, the first one we're going to talk about is the PlayStation Plus games catalog editions for February 2024 revealed. Uh, we're getting this one from IGN with Ryan's Dindale, Ryan Dinsdale. And the normal editions for this month are Need for Speed Unbound, the Outer Worlds Spacer's Choice Edition, Tales of Arise, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Lego Worlds, Lego Jurassic World, Rogue Book, Rogue Lords, Tales of Zestiria. Um, before we move on to the PlayStation Classics, Alex, any of those catch your eye? I mean, nothing that I really want to play i think i gave up on the lego games a long time ago um not that they're bad i just they're way too collectathony for me to really enjoy playing all that much um assassin's creed valhalla way too long i heard how much time nitro put in that game and i'm no just no thanks um i did watch ashley play the outer worlds and that does look a lot of look like a lot of fun but yeah just nothing really in here for me but i i will admit that you know it can still be a good, I can still recognize that there are good games in there that, you know, just aren't for me. So I think it's a good month overall, some good additions, but you know, as always, you're just gonna have to wait to play some games. If you're going on PlayStation plus, you know, if you're, you know, some games you may want to buy right away, but you know, if you wait, if you, uh, if you're patient, you can pick up some good games definitely on the extra catalog. Um, so, but yeah, nothing really for me. Okay. Yield any of those? Uh, I've heard the Outer World is good. My brother's played it. Says I would enjoy it. Uh, Tales of Arise and Tales of Zestiria. I believe those are JRPG games. So heavy JRPG. So, games. so so if you're a JRPG guy, I know that 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 would be good for you. I'm pretty sure my brother has played Tales of Arise because I'm like, oh, I, that name sounds familiar. Uh, Lego Jurassic World. I've I played that. I've platinum it. Um, I enjoyed it even though I've only really ever seen the first Jurassic Park movie, but I enjoyed it for what it was. And those are the only games that I've played out of that. Okay. Um, I got Rogue Book as part of the Humble Bundle this past month, which was the other game I was mentioning. And so I'm playing that on my Steam Deck. And as you all know, I no longer have uh, PS Plus. So anybody who does have it, enjoy. Well, well what's it about? Uh, it's, it's a roguelike and you have to go collect different items to complete the story. Kalai actually, uh, was heavily invested in it and it's, it's a neat little game. Um, I actually have to start playing it before I can talk more about oh, it. So okay. To, to be continued. Gotcha. For the PlayStation classics, you are getting Resistance Retribution, which was, I think it was a that was PS a that was a Vita game. game. Was that a, was that it was a, a Vita game? I think it was a okay. Vita game. It was fun. I, I got the platinum in that. Okay. Uh, Jet Rider Two, originally released as Jet Moto Two in oh, the US. PSP. Tricky says PSP. Okay. My bad. 
Uh, Jet Moto 2 was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun playing that game. Uh, it was one of the my staples playing that on on the original PlayStation. Uh, Tales of Symphonia and Tales of Vesperia. So you're you're getting more Tales, Tales games. games. Yeah, for this month. Um, all right, Yield, you first. I, I know you said Resistance was good. Yeah. What about the other three? Or I guess you already talked about the JRPGs. Yeah, I've, I've never played Jet Moto 2, so I, I wouldn't know. It, it was a little, like, the graphics were rough, I guess, but it was fast. It was, like, a really fast racer. Like, like Resogun fast? Um, We're not Resogun. No. Uh, no, because that's not the same style. No, no. What, was uh, I, what, what am I thinking here? The one where you got the futuralistic race cars and you bounce off the walls because they out. go too fast. Wipeout. Yeah, there we go. Yes. Yeah, that's that's Thank a more akin to it. Because you're you're basically on a wave runner, but instead of it being a wave runner, you can ride it over land, sea, whatever. And it would have uh, different varying levels and elevations to go around really short corners. You could fall off easily, but it was still a lot of fun. Uh, Alex, sir, any of those catch your eye? I mean, I like playing the Jet Moto level in the original Twisted Metal. That was pretty mm. cool. Nice little synergy there. Uh, yeah, not not the month for me, I'll say. Uh, racing games, there are some that I enjoy, but mostly these days, if you're going to catch me playing a uh, racing game, it's going to be an arcade racer. You know, some, well, excuse okay. me, I shouldn't say, well, yes, I'm an arcade racer, but more specifically, a mascot kart racer. Your Mario Kart's. You know, you're uh, the King, Crash Bandicoot, Crash Team Racing. Um, I've always wanted to give the Nicktoons, the Nickelodeon kart racers, one to try. Um, but yeah, that that style of game for me is where it's at. And in chat, uh, V is there giving our, giving our good dog a shake. She's got the German Shepherd head bobbing emoji. It's dangerous to go Klein. alone, Zelda. Dangerous to go alone. Uh and then Jay Klein, I see you in the chat representing C3, said stream just got better, cat, 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 which, <laughs> I, I, yep, so that's back when Narga was on. And he says Lego Jurassic World has a lot of, was a lot of fun. All right, so Jay Klein uh, is out there representing Lego Jurassic World. So on to our next topic, Respawn is developing a first-person Star Wars Mandalorian game. So this will be a really quick topic, but I want to get your, your gents opinions. This comes from insider gaming, Tom Henderson, uh, a new game set in the star Wars universe is under development by respawn. The sources tell the outlet that it'll be a first person game where players take control of a Mandalorian bounty hunter, but no details have been released as to who that Mandalorian is. So we don't know if it's Din. We don't know if it's somebody we already know a completely new character. So the question for you and, uh, Yield, I'll go to you first. I'll okay. give you some time to think about this. Is what you know, they've already announced that it's it's most likely going to be a first person. What would you like to see in this type of game? Well, I I would like to see us go to places that we haven't been to yet. I, I, You're I know. saying different parts Di- of Tatooine? No, 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 no. I am talking <laughs> different planets and different parts of the galaxy. Okay. I, I know they kind of hinted at, hinted at it would take place between empire and and return of the Jedi, kind of like where outlaws is falling, which I'm fine with, but the, the empire's reach was quite far. And, and so we don't need to be 
on Tatooine. We don't need to be on Bespin. We don't need to spend our time there. We can explore other planets. Hey, you can make planets up if you want to. Just we don't need to be on the Outer Rim. We can be somewhere else. And I, I, would, I personally would like to see a, a different Mandalorian and a different sect. Although a year or two out kind of coincides with the possible Mandalorian and Grogu movie. So it, I don't want to necessarily see Boba Fett because if you do, it better be badass or people are going to riot or Star Wars <laughs> fans are going to riot. So it, I want, I just want a good game. I, I know I, they kind of said fast paced and you sliding with your jetpack. I would like to be able to use my jetpack for more than just a slide move, you know, because that's that's a part. Certain Mandalorians, that's a part of their combat as well. So just to use it as a gimmick would do the character disservice, in my opinion. Okay. Alex, do you have any thoughts on what a Mandalorian Star Wars game would look like for you? So just for background, I know we're doing our Patreon episodes uh, where Yield, Matt, and uh, Tricky uh, go go through and watch episodes of The Mandalorian and they talk about them afterwards. Um, So if you're interested in uh, hearing those, you need to subscribe to our Patreon. Tricky in the chat, how much? What tier is that? How much is that? Tricky will get back to me on that. Um, but basically, I have seen the first two seasons of The Mandalorian. I haven't seen season three yet. Uh, it's the $5 tier. Thank you, Tricky. Um, so I'm not quite caught up on the show. But as far as like what a game, I don't know if they would want to pay pa- Pedro Pascal Pascal to be – what? Was I gone? You cut out for a little bit. Okay. Well, my audio is still good. Um, but uh, I don't know if they want to pay Pedro Pascal to uh, – to do the show because that, or to do the game because that would be very expensive. So you know, maybe like Yield said, do a different Mandalorian. Yeah, I'll do a different Mandalorian. There's plenty of voice actors out there who could do a good job. So I would like to see, honestly, though, as much as I say that, I would like to see a mix of, of established and old and new. You know, I don't want to everything to be just completely new. I would like to see them. Um, well, yeah, I, I, I would think we'd see Boba Fett in there. Oh, I, what I want to see really is, um, you know, some of the the giant creatures from I can't remember the name of the dragon that was in the first or second season, but like there's some really cool creatures that I would like to see. Oh, you know, the the sand dragon. Yeah. The 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 crate dragon. The crate yes. dragon. There you go. Yeah, and you know, there's just some creatures I would like to see that it showed up popped up in the show. You know, to have crossover in the game and different locations. Like, yes, I still want to go to Tatooine or Bespin. Like, I still want to go to locations, but also it's a good. A way, as Yield said, to highlight other places we've never been before. So, you know, like, so a mix of, of, of already established, already shown off in the show, and then also just stuff they make up along the way. Because, you know, there's a lot more, they can be a lot more creative with stuff that they, you know, haven't shown us before. And it's nice to have a mix of, of new and old. Um, it helps, you know, create a bridge from from one medium to another. So, as long as, you know, a first-person shooter, as long as the um, Respawn knows how to do that pretty well. So I think as long as they can get the gameplay down solid, as, as we're, if we're just talking about, you know, what we want to see from Star Wars feed into this, you know, um, expand the lore you best you can, but give us a mix of places we've seen and, a pla- and places we haven't. I think that'd be really all that I could ask for. Oh, and no no tomb, tomb raiding, like in um, 
Jedi, the Jedi series. Please don't do that. I don't like that. <laughs> you bring in some good ideas and, and I will add to this. Did either of you guys, I don't, it didn't come out yet, but did you see high on life for the, for the Xbox where you become like an intergalactic bounty hunter? No. And, and it, it, so it's made by the creators of, of uh, Rick and Morty. Uh, and unfortunately, after the whole Justin Roiland thing, uh, separated from the company, but basically you're, you're playing an earthling and your town gets attacked by aliens who literally smoke humans to, for, as drugs and you become an intergalactic bounty hunter. So I would argue that that would be a cool thing to do where it's not necessarily open world, but you get to choose your bounties and you go out there and you have to, uh, you know, the levels based around the bounty you're going after. And they could use that to vary the different types of levels and worlds that you see. You can choose one bounty. Maybe it's in the sewers of, of Narshada, or maybe you, you have to find somebody in Coruscant that you got to do some investigative work. But as a first person perspective, first person shooter, there's going to be plenty of weapons. And like you said, yield, I really want to see them make use of that backpack to, enhance combat not just make it something that you could use to get high ground yeah n- n- not not a gimmick sure everybody makes yeah oh, yeah see i want to so i want to be able to remember how mandalorian started where he wrapped the dude's feet pulled him back into the door and then shot the door and the door slapped him in half yep i want some, i, I want to do yeah. stuff like that is, is what i want i want environmental combat that's that's not herky-jerky that it, it feels like it flows okay and Tricky says, uh, if they add Baby Yoda, it's a failure. I agree. They, they should. It should be able to stand on its own two feet. Yes. Unless, Unlike unless that it, guy that uh, Din pulled into a door that cut in half. They got cut in half. That was clear. All right. Next up, Remedy is celebrating Alan Wake 2. And I see Saber has come into chat. Hey, buddy. Uh so this comes from IGN, Wesley Yinpool. Alan Wake 2 has sold 1.3 million copies since October 2023 when it released. This amounts to 50% more copies than the release of Control in its first four months. And they quoted to say, we will continue promoting and supporting Alan Wake 2 and are creating two paid DLCs that will expand the story. We are also releasing updates and carrying out other activities to support the game and its community. And, and Tricky ask a, a relevant question. We'll go to you first, Alex is, do you think it would have sold more if it was also physical or is digital only hurting its sales? Well, I mean, the, the explanation they gave for the digital only was to cut down to basically to sell the game um, with it at $60 and not have to up the price to 70. So that's the decision. That's the reason they made that decision, making the game more because there are people that right now are staunchly against digital. And we've seen them push back even more with some of the recent news where people have lost their digital library because companies shut down or deals ended, partnerships ended, licensing ended. So I'm sure that, yeah, if they had it physical, would it sell better? Maybe. Um, but you know, it's the, this game kind of shows how when you hear about Sony selling, you know, ten million. They just passed ten million. Um, IGN this week posted a story where Spider Man passed ten million sales. It shows you how difficult it is to actually get to that number. When Remedy, which is a very respected studio who's seemingly always done well for themselves, this is their you know 
how did they put it, Matt? Their fastest selling game. Yeah, fastest selling game so far. Yep. And it just crossed over 1.3 million. And the tale for this kind of game doesn't really, you know, after all that promotion of control, um, Tales, you know, you would figure Control would have been a faster selling game. They got a ton of promotion on PlayStation Network and all that, but no, it's Alan Wake 2. And I get it. People were waiting for a sequel for a long, long time. Maybe thought they never were going to get it, which, you know, may have also contributed to, you know, why it sold. People were waiting for it, why it sold so well at the start. Uh, the Game Awards, giving them all the love, probably helped as well. Um, but it just goes to show you how difficult it actually is to reach that plateau where some of the Nintendo games, some of the Sony games, you know, hit. Because, you know, selling a million is nothing to, to, you know, snub your nose at. But at the same time, we think because we see so many numbers from some of the larger publishers, you know, larger numbers, we probably don't think much of selling a million. You know, back in the day, you know, Mega Man 2 selling a million copies was what really saved that franchise and allowed it to continue on. Because after Mega Man, the original Mega Man, we didn't know if it was going to continue on. But Mega Man came, 2 came out. It was a huge success. It sold a million copies. So a million copies, I know that it takes more to make games these days, but... A million copies is impressive, but again, it just highlights how um, when you see larger numbers, just what it takes to get to those plateaus. But um, but yeah, I mean, kudos to uh, to Remedy. Alan Wake Two is a really good game, um, but I, I am surprised that at one point three million, it's the the fastest selling game that they have ever had because they clearly put a lot of work into it. A lot of you know um, mocap work goes into it, so it's not cheap to, to produce. So. For them to be kind of a, a their own company and not have to be part of a larger company, and you know, I don't know. I to me, it's just I think they would. I would think that they would sell more copies of the game. Now, it doesn't say the best selling game, so obviously it's not the best selling game they've ever had yet. But fastest selling off to the the right start. But maybe I'm just foolish in thinking them to being surprised that at 1.3 million, I expected it to be a bigger number at this point. Well, and you bring up a couple good points and, uh, you know, Saber in chat said, uh, you know, he doesn't have a problem with digital. He thinks that they need to be at least $15 cheaper. And, and Alan Wake 2 kind of proved that. I think it came out at like $50 compared to the now standard $70. And that's a huge thing to help out with digital sales. And what ends up happening is you you get companies like Remedy, and I don't think this is a a negative article. I think this is them celebrating the fact that Alan Wake Two did as, as is doing as good as it is. I mean, Control was a fantastic game, and I think had a hurtful start, a hurtful launch because people weren't sure, but it had a long tail, and people gradually grew into that game. And I think Alan Wake was originally the same thing. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. But and 1.3 million is nothing to seize at. I just hope that that means they recouped their developmental costs and it isn't a loss for them. Uh, I, you can never be too sure what games are these days. Uh, Tricky says that he disagrees with Saber and says that, uh, yes, same for us, but it gives more devs more money without straining us. And, you know, Tricky did ask the question, would it sell better with um, retail copies? This is the first game Remedy's done that's digital only, correct? I mean, the, the original Alan Wake was only to only a PC and an Xbox game. Uh, didn't come to PlayStation, but this is their first only digital only re- release, right, Matt? Because Control was physical too, right? Correct. And it's yeah. already sold better. Yeah, it was definitely physical. It's definitely sold better than Control, which had physical and digital. So, I mean, would we see better sales for Alan Wake Two with a physical copy? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so, but it's still outstriped, you know, their other releases, which had both physical and digital. So it actually hasn't 
really, to be honest, hurt them all that much. Um, and I do want to point out that Control had two uh, DLC releases. Um, Altered World Events and, um, oh god, what was the other one? I can't remember. Um, I can't remember what the name of the other one. Oh, the Foundation. It was the Foundation. So they had two, and so this matches up. So maybe this is the roadmap for them. We see them uh, with all their game releases. Maybe they do two. DLC releases afterward, but uh, I would like to see more incorporation of the uh, more melding of the worlds of Control and Alan Wake in the DLCs. You don't have to cut. You don't have to cover both in all in, or you don't have to do both. Or you don't have to do it in both DLCs, but at least have one DLC dedicated to how um, Control, uh, the uh, how the Federal Bureau of Control also melds into the world of Alan Wake. And, and we'll get to you in one second, Yield. It's just tricky. Brings up another thing and says he, he doesn't think it hurts sales, but I do think people kind of quietly boycott it by not bu- by not buying it. And that goes back to something Saber said is that Will from the PlayStation Ain't Dead podcast, who is a huge game collector, is really boycotting digital games because he feels like that's doing away with the medium. And th- there's points to be made on both sides that, yes, that in a way that's true, but also games now are just kind of keys on CDs. They're not even the full games. And if you lose internet connection, you can't install that game on a console if something happens. So I've always said, if you you want real game ownership, stop playing anything after a PS2 era. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I'm sorry, Yield, I know you need to talk, but we've seen how boycotts work in in video games. Look what the look at mm. the boycotts did against Pokemon Sword and Shield. Oh, some of the best selling Pokemon games of all time. You know, look at what happened with Harry Potter was or not not Wizards Unite, but um, Hogwarts Legacy outsold Call of Duty in the U.S. last year. So boycotts, if it's important to you, don't buy the digital copy. But in the end, if we're all going towards a physical, you know, future or not not if we're going towards an all digital future. Are you just going to stop playing all games? And I'm sorry, but anyone who says that, I don't believe you. What are you going to do? Take up knitting? You know, you've been playing games your entire life. Are you going to take up knitting all of a sudden? No, you're not. You may lessen how much money you spend, but you'll still play. I'm sure that that'll, that'll so, be controversial. That'll get me some blowback, but. <laughs> all that said, Yield, how do you feel about Alan Wake 2 and it's digital only and the fact that they hit 1.3 million? So, I mean. I think 1.3 million, especially for a game like that, is, is good. Um, as for the, the digital only, releasing in October, you probably would have had more sales if you had physical copy because of the Chris, Christmas time. Um, it, it's easier to go buy a game off a shelf and give it to somebody rather than here, here's your code. So it, it might have, but if it outsold Control and original Alan Wake, then they've done something right. If you were a fan of Alan Wake, you were buying it. Their their philosophy of selling it at 60 online as compared to 70 uh, on the shelf, I have said ever since digital started going that if you want me, you know, me personally to switch to all digital, then make it cheaper than what I can buy it on the store shelf. And you know what? That will yank me more that way. So... I'm, you know, kudos to them. I, I don't know what people were expecting their sales to be. I mean, is is Remedy upset at the 1.3 million copies since October? I don't think so. I, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think those are good numbers. Especially, like I said, I, 
the game wasn't, it's not like it was in everybody's face. If you knew about it, you were on board. So. And I think to what, before we move on, what Saber and Yield both said that what people have always asked for, if if it's like, hey, if you're going to cut retail out and you're going to cut making discs and shipping discs out, people have always said, you know, make make the game cheaper. Let's see a different price than what I can buy at retail. So that's been something that people have long said. But let me ask you a question, Yield. If we go to an all-digital future and instead of saying, well, instead of raising prices, like games cost more to make now. So instead of going to $70, we're going to keep it at, you know, 60 or something like that. Would that be fine for you? Or do you want to see like, instead of $70, be $55? In other words, would you rather see the discount, the difference between the two? Or do you want to just see them keep the games the same price we've been paying as a means of, you know, lessening the the price creep? So... Initially, and correct me if I'm wrong, initially the, the, the whole point of going digital was so that way they could cut out the brick-and-mortar stores, right? Yeah, so, I they, mean, the they, best they, way that, to that, sell that, to consumers is direct-to-consumer, if you can. Yeah, so I, I, I was okay with that. You know, you also heard the complaint of, well, we have to print discs, we have to print cases, you know, game art, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I get that. So for me, and the, the, the tightwad that I am, if you cut all that out and you're selling direct to me, then in this case, Alan Wake, 60 bucks. Okay. I, I could see over the grand scheme of things, 10 bucks for the case and the disc. All right. I'm now getting a deal. But then you've got everybody else that, that you could buy, let's say, Grand Theft Auto. It's $70 in the store and $70 on the shelf. Well, if I'm paying $70 either way, I want something in my hand. But if you were to offer it to me at $60 digital or $70 on the store shelf, that's enough for me to sit around and go, you know what? This month, I really don't have that extra. I've got a bunch of games coming out. I can save 10 bucks by buying this digital. Okay. It's just, that's how my mind works. So, so here, here's a little insider tip going back uh, to my years working at a computer store. I was able to buy games at cost. That's so, great when you can work like that. Except a $60 game at cost was really $57. Really? So there is not a lot of markup at the individual retail level for games. So cutting out the brick and mortar stores really is cutting out on the shipping slash printing. But again, with physical media now these days, with the discs, that's not costing the companies a heck of a lot of money to print that out. Yeah, you're buying in bulk and you're 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 if you cut out the middleman and you don't print at all, maybe you could save a couple bucks. But there was more of a markup on the cables you sold with a system than the system or the games itself. So there's not a lot of wiggle room when it comes to physical game media on reducing that cost, except for companies who go digital only, and they're not splitting between digital and physical. So I think the best hope anybody is going to get is like a five, $6 reduction in a price. If you're physical only the fact that Alan Wake two came out at 50 bucks, I think was a damn good deal and definitely helped the sales. All right, 
Well, moving on from uh, Remedy Entertainment to Arrowhead. And we're talking about the Helldivers 2 devs respond to server issues as it passes all-time Steam concurrent uh, concurrent players of Destiny 2 and Starfield. This comes from IGN, Adam Bankhurst. Helldivers 2 has surpassed all-time Steam concurrent user counts of Destiny 2 and Starfield alongside it being a PlayStation exclusive. On Steam, Helldivers 2 reached a concurrent max of 333,000 827, which puts it at 28th of all time ahead of things like Counter-Strike, Destiny, and whatnot. Unfortunately, this did lead to some of the server issues over the launch weekend and beyond. And quote from Arrowhead's developers, despite our best efforts to increase server capacity to accommodate all of you who want to die for freedom, we're experiencing capacity issues. We are once more working without delay to improve the issue, and we hope to have this fixed in place as soon as possible. And I say once again, because since we played, since our last episode, there were server issues the first weekend, the launch weekend. There were also now server issues this weekend. Yeah, to where you couldn't and, even log in. Yep. And that's because they had to put caps on all the servers. And remember, they're doing a since it's crossplay, they're having both Steam servers and PlayStation servers all kind of mixed into one. And unfortunately, I think they made a very poor decision in listing this weekend as a double XP weekend to play the game, which naturally is going to draw more players. And if you're already having server issues, they're not just going to magically go away from the first weekend. So, uh, Alex, I know you haven't had a chance to play any of Helldivers 2, but what do you think about uh, Arrowhead's handling of servers and and trying to get people to play that, you, that you've at least seen in the news? Uh, well, kudos to them for all their success because this kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, we know that they had a pre- – that Helldivers, you know, was a really good game and people seem to enjoy it, but I don't think even Arrowhead – I don't think even Arrowhead could have um, – based on the previous game, knowing how successful this one was going to be. Because again, we talked about, you know, it beat out the concurrent um, users on Steam for, uh, you know, over even God of War, uh, the 2018 God of War when Sony put it on on Steam and PC eventually. So um, my first thought is, one, Sony is likely going to try to buy Arrowhead and and add them to PlayStation Studios. I You know, the, the game has already, you know, beaten the concurrent numbers for, for Destiny 2. So uh, another Sony-owned studio, Bungie, definitely doesn't make... Uh, I don't want to say it doesn't make Bungie look the greatest because yes, Helldivers is a, is a brand new game and Bungie, or Destiny's been around for a while. So I'll, I'll, I'll veer from that track. But um, I guess my my thought besides, you know, the game has done so well that maybe someone should try to buy Arrowhead is that I agree with Matt and that why would you run a double XP event when you're having trouble with capacity? It That makes no sense. Um, do what you can to alleviate those issues. You know, bring, trying to bring everyone at once to the game definitely won't help. And I, I, the question I, I have to wonder is, are we going to start seeing a drop in the people who play this game? Um, you know, we have uh, people who bought the game. Obviously, they want to invest the time in it. But is anybody going to be chased away by not being able to get onto the servers, not being able to play? Because you know, you lo- you go ho- you come home from work and you want to log in. You just want to play a few rounds. You want to kill some bugs. You want to save the earth. You want to spread democracy, but. You come home and you just can't jump in. As the yield said, you can't even log in because of you know server issues. Is that going to drive people away from the game? Are 
people going to stop trying to play the game just because they just are having such massive amounts of issues trying to even log in? You think that's a fair question there, Matt? Alex, I'm trying to make sure I know where you are in your audio. So Just respond to this so I know where you're at. Wait, what? So there was a very long stretch of audio I, that I seemed know, to be I answering know. I was talking I the entire time, so we should ago. be good. But Yeah. Yep. So so to answer okay. your question, Alex, um, as of right now, two weeks in, um, at least for me, I'm still loving the game. Um, it is annoying that like, so as an example, last night or yesterday, me and my buddies got on like around 1230 in the afternoon. We were all on, we all played till about supper time. And at about three thirty four o'clock, you could tell the servers were bogging down because as Matt and I were discussing before the show started, you couldn't, your, your war medals that you collected weren't showing up as you collected them. Your experience wasn't counting they're, they're just, you could tell there was a lag in the server. And we just kept playing because we were having fun. When we signed off for supper, when everybody kind of went off to go get have supper, we're like, well, let's, you know, if you can reconvene afterwards, let's hook back up. I couldn't log back in until, I think it was like 11 o'clock. It would just, it would just be like trying to log in. And it would count down 30 seconds and then try again. And so, but, you know, we all jumped on again today and we played again and had fun. So it's, if you haven't been able to play the game, this will be a deterrent for you. If you've had a chance to experience and play with friends, or maybe you like playing with randoms, and you've enjoyed the game, I don't think it will be as much of a hindrance. But like, if you're a passive player and you're like, oh, I want to play Helldivers this evening, and you can't get on, you might move on. I think the best tip for anyone now is try to play when the hours aren't at their peak. I mean, yeah, when people come home at night and they're turned on their game consoles, that's probably when peak hours are. But if you can play during the day or earlier, I definitely think that'd probably be for the best because you'll probably have better luck signing on then. So, yeah, and and that's part of the issue is that Arrowhead wasn't expecting this level of success. And it's it's like that DJ Khaled meme about victim of my own success which which is good for them because the game's doing way better than what they had anticipated and and to that end it's like everybody says well why don't you just add more servers you certainly got enough money for it but it's sometimes it isn't that easy and sometimes more servers just isn't the the technical answer that's needed maybe there's some coding in the back end that's not handling the scaling properly maybe there's something else going on again that's all technical. That's stuff that you you can you have to deal with in the background as it comes to you. My issue again is that their servers were not the greatest shape all week, and then they go, "Hmm, long weekend. Let's do a double XP weekend," and that's naturally going to drive even more people. So here's what the interesting thing is today. Today they maybe it was yesterday, but they made the announcement how they were dealing with their concurrent cap and they raised it to four hundred and fifty thousand. Or I'm sorry, that's where they capped it at. So if you talk about the number of concurrent players at Steam being above three hundred thousand, and depending on how the the balance load works, a majority of players seem to be playing on Steam as opposed to PlayStation, and people on PlayStation who 
uh, I know were playing said that they weren't having the same connection issues that we were on Steam. So there was a little bit of a give and take there. But ultimately, here's the thing. Arrowhead made a very good game. It's a lot of fun. A lot of people want to play it. And it's a $40 game. We were just talking about game prices. In today's world, $40. And they have microtransactions, whereas there's games out there that are $70 and still shove microtransactions down your face. You guys are right. There are people who are pissed off at this server issue and they're going to move on. Ultimately, they just don't care about freedom. And we're going to stick around and help. They can go off and and, uh, spread socialism if they want. Anyways. Yeah, but uh, Tricky has... Matt, I think that they should have pushed the the 2x, uh, the extra experience weekends further out and be like, okay, we're not in a great spotlight right now. Because they could do it any weekend they want to. So yeah, I exactly. I, I, I think the two XP weekend was kind of a hey, we know you had issues last week, so this is our way of of making up for the issues, so and I'll, it just made it worse. So offer everybody a cosmetic thing. Just say hey, instead of buying this microtransaction, here's a free chest plate or helmet or whatever, for or some met- or some war medals yeah. that you can use in the shop. So I, I think that's what this weekend was going to be, because if you go to the in-game text, there's an effect in in play, and it says double XP weekend for XP and requisitions because of an accounting error. The person who's responsible for this error is being re-educated at this time. Like, there's, there's – I definitely think they went into this intending for the, the double XP weekend to be the makeup for the server issues, only for it to cause more server issues. So – Maybe get the technical stuff out of the way first before we start having fun with it. And speaking of fun, a bunch of developers had a lot of fun at the Dice Awards for 2024. And uh, we're here to discuss some of the more fun categories, I guess. Uh, We got this article off of IGN from Adam Bankhurst. And I'm just going to go to the link and we'll cover some of these topics. We're not going to cover them all. Way too many to talk. So we're just going to go down the line here. Uh, Animation, art direction, character, music, audio design. uh, Outstanding achievement in story. And the nominees were Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Dave the Diver, Thirsty Suitors, and Venba. Which, that's an interesting... uh, I don't know what to make of that. I have no idea what that one is. Anyways, your winner was Baldur's Gate 3. Any any of you guys disagree with that winner based off of the list? Uh, I haven't played any of them, but from all the hoopla about Baldur's Gate 3, I'm not surprised. I am surprised to see Dave the Diver, because now that we're going to be getting it on PlayStation, it makes me more excited that the the developers themselves thought that that had a very good story. So, yay for us. Alex, I think thoughts? at this point, I'm not going to lobby any arguments against Baldur's Gate 3 winning anything. Because <laughs> I think you're just yelling at a brick wall at that point. I I agree, yeah. Um, this one in particular I wanted to read because this this is the one of the only times I'm seeing this. Uh, actually, it did win Outstanding Technical Achievement as well as, well as Audio Design and Original Music Composition. Uh as well as outstanding achievement in character, so and outstanding achievement in animation. 
Uh, it did not win a single award at the Game Awards, but the winner of Action Game of the Year was Marvel Spider-Man 2. And all those other categories I just mentioned, it also won it. And this was up against an action game, Armored Core, Fire, Armored Core 6, Dead Space, Hi-Fi Rush, and Remnant 2. What do you guys think about Spider-Man 2 finally getting some recognition? I mean, I'd say it's deserved. I think it was just a very uh, loaded year last year for really good games. I mean, you look at the Game of the Year nominees and... Oh man, I mean, just stiff competition, and ever you know, opinions are going to be different all over the board. I mean, with with so many good games, you're bound to have you know a game that you feel is completely justified, you know, winning a whole slew of categories, not get anything just because of you know, Baldur's Gate three came out last year, or Alan Wake two came out last year, or you had you know Super Mario Brothers Wonder come out last year. So I mean, just. Stiff competition all around. So it's not surprising that Alan Wake 2, or not, not Alan Wake 2, Spider-Man 2 would do so well here at the Dice Awards, but yet the Game Awards not really take home any category at all. Yield? Um, it changes my opinion a little bit on Spider-Man 2 because, like I've said, the trailers didn't do anything to make me go, yeah, I want to play that game. But, you know, the developers voting for it you know, know way more than consumers, in my opinion. To me, the to me the Dice Awards is more of a true bearing on where you're at, whereas the Game Awards and all that uh, and all the other things are more can be more popularity or ooh, this is the new hotness, so this is what we're voting for. Whereas all the developers vote on not just their game but other games, so. It changes my opinion on Spider-Man, so. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I definitely think Spider-Man should have won something at the Game Awards, even if it was a token trophy, but they, they definitely did very good with this game. So it's good to see that devs recognizing devs are are, are fun. Uh, Adventure Game of the Year. Alan Wake 2, Cocoon, Dave the Diver, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and your winner... The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which, you know, was one of my top three games and actually was overtaken by Baldur's Gate 3. So it, it's good to see it get some more recognition than that. And also in line with what was won at GDC. Or I'm sorry, the Game Awards. Uh, Alex, thoughts on that category? Um, Yeah, I, I don't I don't have any complaints with it. Um, I don't have any. I expected The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I think when that game came out, I was like, okay, it's sweeping a lot of categories. And because of games that came out later in the year, or just overall how strong of a year it was, we haven't seen that. It's gotten some recognition, and you know, obviously the fans, the Nintendo players, have definitely showered it with a lot of love. But you would expect it to take home, I think, this category. Yield? I haven't had a chance to dive into Survivor yet, but I don't, I'm not surprised that Tears of the Kingdom won. All right, uh, moving on with some of the categories. Uh, Role-playing game, we know that Baldur's Gate 3 won. Uh, we're not going to beat a dead horse on that one. Uh, let's see. Keep going, keep going. Immersive, I want to talk about this one. Immersive reality technical achievement. Asgard's Wrath 2, Assassin's Creed Nexus VR, Horizon Call the Mountain, Vertigo 2, We Are 1. 
And the winner was Call of the Mountain, which I'll say this. I haven't played that. I have played Asgard's Wrath. And I've seen videos of Assassin's Creed Nexus, which is a very Assassin's Creed type game. Tricky says he's played Call of the Mountain, says it's good. I just don't see it beating out some of these other VR games that have come out. It's, I, it's So I, I, there's a guy at work that's big into video games. He's in another department. And we'll sit there, we'll sit around and, and we'll you know, chit-chat video games. And he's he, kind of like Tricky. He'll buy everything and anything. And he's got VR. And he's told me he's played Call of the Mountain. And so I was like, so how is it? You know, because he don't have just a PSVR 2. He's got an Oculus. He's got more than one VR headset. So I'm like, all right, since obviously you're into VR, how is that game? You know, is it a tech demo? What? He, the, he says that is one of the best VR games he's played. It, it, it's up there. That, it, that it's that good. It's not just a tech demo like what a lot of stuff from PSVR first go around was. So going off of that, I'm not surprised, but I don't have a VR, so I can't throw anything more than to what somebody else told me. That isn't tricky. Uh, Tricky is saying some things I will not repeat in chat, so we'll go on to Alex's thought. Uh, My thoughts pretty simply are, I think Sony needs this kind of recognition. I mean, look... The PSVR 2, we haven't had an update on its sales in quite uh, a long time. We have no idea how well it's doing. But, you know, I think that if Sony, since they are the creators of this, they know need to have the be putting out the best technical product. They need to put in, be putting out the best games for their own platform. So I think that Horizon Call of the Mountain, it's good that the game is, is that good. Horizon's obviously one of their biggest franchises. So they... Uh, they're trying to maximize the amount of money they can make off it, but um, for their game to come out and and win um, this category, it's kind of necessary because, like I said, when you create a platform, you need to be able to know how to maximize you know the technical specs for it, and you need to be able to put out the best games. And so I think they kind of needed this, especially one for marketing for the PSVR two, which, like I said, doesn't honestly seem like it's too successful because otherwise, if it was, they'd be you know screaming towards the mountain about how well it's doing. So. Pun intended. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on. And the winner of the next three categories, which argue as some of the biggest categories here, outstanding achievement in game design, outstanding achievement in game direction and game of the year, Baldur's Gate three. And I think those three categories really encompass the theory and, and the crafting of Baldur's Gate. Because looking at all those, game design, it was up against Cocoon, Dave the Diver, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and Legend of Zelda. Game direction, it was against Cocoon, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Mario Brothers Wonder, Tears of the Kingdom. And game of the year, Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Cocoon, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Legend of Zelda. It just seemed like it was a lot of these heavy hitting categories were kind of samey this year. And Baldur's Gate 3 just had the best execution out of all of them in a complete package where 
the games might have had a good um category. They were good at one category or another, but this one they just they just rocked the boat in this game. And like you said, Alex, Tears of the Kingdom came out and everybody was like, Yep, game of the year. This is it. That's that's all we got. Meanwhile, Baldur's Gate 3 kind of like stealthed its way into everybody's heart. But uh, what do you think about it, Alex, about it dominating all three of those categories? I mean, not surprising since the re- when the review score, score started to come out and it was like, really, it was better than Tears of the Kingdom. You're like, uh oh. You know, this is, I mean, generally when a game scores that well, that means that it does really well in every category because it's just considered that good of a game. So when a game is scored that well and wins game of the year, you would expect a lot of those other categories to tag along with it just because of, you know, a game doesn't earn that high praise for no reason. It is also nice to see because I think that there is a prevailing thought within when it comes to game awards that certain category certain games when they come out like say Legend of Zelda, when they come out they just kind of automatically take the uh the you know, game of the year, you know, not to do a disservice to the teams who make those games, because obviously they are considered that highly for a reason, but it's nice to see that, you know, Nintendo didn't put out a Legend of Zelda game and it just won everything. You know, it's nice to see that, oh shit, another game did it better and it kind of came out of nowhere and here we are, it won everything. So I'm glad Baldur's Gate, I mean, you want to see as many games get recognition as possible, but to see Baldur's Gate come in after it was a foregone conclusion that Zelda would get Game of the Year, it's nice to see. I'm not trying to hate on the Wii, on the Switch, or on Zelda. It's just nice to see that the foregone conclusion was busted up. Okay, yep. So all, all that I'm going to say here is that um, I get more excited for Dave the Diver the more that I see it on all these. I mean, it didn't win anything, but just to be nominated. It's pretty doggone good, you know, like the little engine that could, and you see it nominated for all these, like, you know, big uh, categories, and it's like, ooh, this game's going to be fun. It has Godzilla yield. Doesn't really come out as the winner. It has Godzilla. Does Tears of the Kingdom have Godzilla? Well, that too. No. no. I no. will say... And, and, and also, also, I saw Dredge on here, which is another little game that I've been keeping an eye on, so that makes me happy. And after reading all these list of nominees, um, I'm kind of like I'm kind of I kind of want to go see what Cocoon is. Like, what is Cocoon, and why is it getting? Yeah, what is Cocoon? It someone, is, someone so, explain this to me. It's not about the movie, is it? No, it is okay, not the movie. It's not about the and, 80s and movie. All right, I keep going back. I'm like, God, that's so confusing. So actually, what it is, you you do play a bug. It, it's kind of you guys saw Tunic this past year, right? Yeah, the little fox. I haven't like played the Zelda it, game. but I yes. want to. It, it's, it's on my that, wish list. Yeah, it's that same perspective, but you're playing as an insect and you're you're unlocking powers and things like that from what I've seen. I didn't play it myself. I saw what it looks like and it actually does look kind of neat. So I definitely recommend checking it out. All right. Uh, with that said, uh, looking to forward uh, in the chat. Saber does say there's really nothing to stand in the way of Final Fantasy Rebirth from being game of the year this year. And I kind of agree in in the fact of I don't know what else is coming out this year that's going to try to hit for the fences like I don't the know. Way. I don't know, man. Helldivers 2 is doing pretty, I mean, uh, it's got my vote. Um, yeah, I think 
I think as game of the year, it might be too shallow, but well, you're probably, I would you're, give it a fair shake. You're probably right. And who knows? Who knows what Outlaws is going to do? My fingers are crossed. My expectations That's, are low. That Silent Hill 2 remake should be out, which I hope it's good. But yeah, I am at a point where it's I'm kind of in that same direction, even though I'm, I don't like the series and like that. Um, yeah, I guess we will see. All right. Um, so here's what I'm going to say. Uh, we do have a Sophie's trophy this week. I'm going to have tricky hit that audio in a second, but I do need yield and Alex to go to the post V made on Facebook. Cause, uh, tricky made a comment in the question with a picture of a t-shirt and wants to know if you guys know what game it's or what, what did he say? Uh, do you guys know what game this is from? So, while he plays Sophie Trophies, do me a favor and please look at that so we can get that out of the way. Uh, with that, Tricky, please hit Sophie's Trophies. Hello again, guys. It's Sid with another Sophie's Trophies. It's been a while, I know, because, let's face it, I am a bit of an idiot and do keep forgetting to do these things. So the game we're doing today is called Dead Dungeon. It is a Super Meat Boy clone, although a lot easier than Super Meat Boy. Um, it can be a pain in the ass, though. Some of the levels are a little bit tricky. Um, so we'll get into it, guys, and um, hopefully some of you will play it, because it's pretty good. So the first trophy, as always, the Platinum, is Dead Dungeon. And that is Obtain All Trophies. And then we have Welcome. And that is Die for the First Time. Then we have First Blood. Kill the First Enemy. So to kill an enemy, you jump on them. And then we have, why do I need it? Find first collectible. There are a total of 18 collectibles around the game. Um, and once you collect them, they will stay collected. Um, so you don't need to keep going for them every single time. Then we have, cheer up, die 100 times. Then we have, do not give up, complete 10 levels. I hate portals, use the portal. So the portal, as anyone knows who has played portal um, you jump through the portal and you end up somewhere else in the level then we have butcher kill 100 enemies then we have kenny a nice south park reference there die 500 times you are on the right way complete 20 levels then we have it's a trap so you activate the trap which is self-explanatory there are traps on levels and you can activate them um, which basically just means you run into them. And then we'll do this. Complete 30 levels. Then we have Groundhog Day. Die 1,000 times. Which I know sounds a lot, guys, but uh, me and Toby, my son, were playing through this one. And uh, we died 1,000 times quite easily. Then we have Almost Hero. Complete 40 levels. Then we have great level design. Find the second secret level. So there are two secret levels in the game. The first one is on level four, I think. No, I beg your pardon, guys. That's for another trophy. The first secret level is on level 25. I can't find, can't remember the second one. It's one of the later levels anyway, guys. And then we have, oh, sorry. Kill the enemy in an unexpected way. So this is that other trophy on level four. So when you start level 4, guys, 
there is an enemy that's walking back and forwards between two spikes or two sets of spikes and if you stand near the spikes and face away from him um, eventually you will break wind fart on him and blow him up so yeah that's another thing guys if you stay still for long enough your character breaks wind then we have a real hero defeat the boss which is the final boss of the game so this one guys it's quite simple you have to keep jumping over him he runs left to right and you jump over him and he causes spikes to fall from the ceiling and then we'll run into those spikes so you have to dodge those but you also have to dodge a uh, spinning blade that fires across the room um, so you've got to time your jumps to dodge him and he does get faster as he runs and then we have dungeon in dungeon find the first secret level so that one is on level 25 guys and then we have glutton collect all donuts so there are 18 donuts throughout the game easily spottable because they look like donuts and these ones you have to collect them and complete the level without dying so unlike the other collectibles which stay collected the donuts do not and then the last trophy for this one guys is collector collect all collectibles so yeah that's it dead dungeon it's a pretty simple game you run you jump you land on enemies you land on spikes you get cut by blades and everything in between really good little game it cost me 49p so i am not complaining but that's it from me guys hope you are all okay and i will talk to you again soon bye what sid forgot to say there was that he's been too busy out platinum and tricky to be able to do sophie's trophies he's trying to stay too ahead of <laughs> Ooh, snap Burn! it's too bad tricky can't give you a quick retort on that he's trying Anyways, he's typing i know he's typing we're just going to ignore that uh so we are going to move on to our listener questions time to check my social media yeah. have fun editing that out uh, first one that we're going to do is, uh, did you both get a chance to look at your text messages to see the picture Tricky wants us to identify? I yeah, did, yeah. yes. I'll go last. Okay. Uh, without saying what it is, Alex, do you know what it is? I recognize it, but I cannot remember what it's from. Okay. Yield. I do. It's an absolutely amazing game. People should play it. Okay. I have no clue. Yield, Hold on, Yield. Share. Let me, let me yeah. ask. Go, go. Is it, um, do you ride a horse in this game? No. No, I got a clue. Donnie never got this game right. He got it mixed up with another game. Like Donnie from the Big Lebowski? No, no, no. Like Donnie from Trophy Horse. He could never, he got this game mixed up with another game. Every time he oh, said it. it Murdered Soul Suspect? He got the, there you go. Okay. There was always okay. like, wait, what murdered beyond two souls or something like that, or it, it, it was murdered. No, he was always trying to mix it with it was beyond murdered two souls. Beyond two souls, yeah, yeah. The the it was murdered two souls. Okay, well, that was a fun little segment. Uh, Sid, Dude, the, the, the game is really good, Matt. 
I yeah, I think I it was on PS Plus at one point, and I just ignored it. I think I even started it. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do something else. Um, Sid, who thank you for your Sophie's trophies, came in and asked, "Who's playing Tomb Raider?" And Yield did ask which version. I'm going to assume he means the new remake or the remaster of one through three or whatever is out there now. Oh yeah, the, the one through three. I, I don't yeah. know. I've I've looked at it. I haven't wasn't that excited about it. Um, the Tomb Raider I need to get back to is uh, uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider because I need to play through on the hardest difficulty and go for the platinum. So that would be the one that I'll be playing at some point. Okay. Alex, are you playing any of the new? You know, honestly, I bought the reboot of uh, Tomb Raider and played it on Steam a bit. Got through the first couple chapters and just stopped playing it. I don't know why I didn't go back. <clears throat> Probably just other- really, it's an excellent version of the game. Just other commitments I had at the time it wasn't like it wasn't good. Oh, it's just I sense. had other stuff going on at the time, and I just you know once once the ball starts rolling and you you know more time goes by, you're you're less likely to go back to it. And you know, I grew up with the PlayStation. Just never played Tomb Raider, never got into it, so I don't have kind of the nostalgia for the series that a lot of people do. So no, I haven't been playing this. Okay, uh, and I, 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 every Tomb Raider I've tried to get into, I've dropped. So no, I won't be returning to. Really, Lara's you, you Adventure. didn't like the reboot either. Uh, tried it. You know, I don't know what it is. I, I was playing it on the PS3, and maybe that's the big thing is I was trying to play it on the PS3, and it was just slow loading and slow getting into, and I just didn't want to load up the PS3 every time I went to try to play it. And I have, I'm fairly certain, actually, yeah, I'm going to load up Epic Game Store here in a second. because so I'm fairly certain I've gotten all three of them for free at one point through Epic's uh, offerings. And I just never just never played them. Okay, got back into it. Let me see if I type tomb, it's going to come up with. Uh, that's not how I want it to display it. There has to be some psychology behind. Yeah. If you get something for free, you may be less likely to invest in it than something you've had to pay for. <sighs> yeah. Well, the problem I have is that this. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I have the Tomb Raider remake, I have Rise of the Tomb Raider, and Shadow of the Tomb Raider on Epic Games Store, and I've never installed or tried playing them. I've claimed them. I just haven't loaded them up. Maybe that's something I'll do. I could probably throw them on my Steam Deck and maybe play through them that way. It it it's, it was a neat take. I enjoyed what they were trying to do with the series, but at the time I had already started playing Uncharted, and I was much more... Uh, invested in that storyline. Oh, uh, next week. So for those folks paying attention, February 22nd through February 29th, Super Meat Boy Forever is going to be available for free on the Epic Game Store. That's a neat take on the series where it's just a perpetual runner. You just keep going until you die. All right. Moving on, Jeff Hanna writes in, would you all stop playing Helldivers 2 so those of us with the PC Master Race PCs could play? I can't speak. Alex obviously is not playing. Yield has been having fun. I am on the PC with you, Jeff, so I feel your pain Do as we, well. Can we just not gloss I, over I, the fact that Jeff wants to play a PlayStation game? No, no, you can't gloss over that because he's an Xbox guy. He, he openly admits that he wants to play a PlayStation game. We see well, you, Jeff. I, you know, I, I take 
I can't blame him for loving a good game for what's a good game. So, um, all right. And then final question. Uh, Tricky asks, why are the New York Rangers so good? They are the first place in the league, have seven wins in a row, and are undefeated in the stadium series games. That's because they are dirty players and they bribe refs. Tricky. That's the only thing I can say about that. All right. Moving on. Moving on to topic of the week. The, the PlayStation All right. Yep. Uh, and chat Parky 87 says rise was the best of the reboots Two was the best of the originals. Tricky is typing furiously in chat. I'm going to ignore that On to our topic of the week. Sony comes out and says that they won't release any major existing first party games before 2025. This comes from Polygon, uh, from Ollie Welsh, Sony president, CEO, soon to be CEO because he's taking over for Jim Ryan. Hiroki Totoki said regarding first party software, we aim to continue to focus on producing high quality works and developing live service games. But while major projects are currently under development, we do not plan to release any new major existing franchise titles next fiscal year, like God of War, Ragnarok or Marvel Spider-Man. This comes after a quiet period of some Sony post Spider-Man 2's release for 2024, Sony is leading on third-party publishers and developers to populate that gap. Games like Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and the Silent Hill 2 Remake and Rise of the Ronin will be released in the coming year. Totoki said in regards to in-house development, people who work in the studios have very high motivation. They're very highly motivated. They're very good people and have great creative minds and knowledge of live streaming. However, having said that, when it comes to the businesses, I think there is room for improvement, and that's to do with how to use money, the schedule of development, and how to fulfill one's accountability towards development. Those are my frank impressions. I will continue to engage in dialogue and with people so that we can find the right way to proceed. So I'm going to go on. This is kind of a multi-step topic of the week. So we're going to read the other parts, and we're kind of going to cover this all in one amalgamation. Uh, PS5 is entering the latter stages of its life cycle. Comes from IGN, Wesley Yinpool. According to Sony SVP, Naomi Matsuoko, Sony expects the sales of the PS5 to start failing, or I'm sorry, falling from the next fiscal year. Quote, looking ahead, PS5 will enter the latter stage of its life cycle. As such, we will put more emphasis on the balance between profitability and sales. For this reason, we expect the annual sales pace of PS5 hardware will start falling from the next fiscal year. It should be noted that the current PS5 sales sit at 54.7 million in just over three years, with Sony saying it is now entering the second half of its life cycle. Uh, and then the final article here, there's a whole bunch of Ranger love going on in chat, and I'm just not going to give it any more attention than that. PlayStation wants to improve operating profit with a more aggressive PC first party games release plan. This comes from WCCF Tech, Alessio Palumbo. Following a Q3 2023 earnings release, Sony's Hiroki Totoki announced it's been four months since I became chairman of SIE. A big problem of SIE that I found is they don't necessarily have a deep understanding of how their work is being translated to growth, generation of sustainable profits, and higher margins 
for the unit as a whole. In the past, we wanted to popularize console and the first party's title's main purpose was to make that PlayStation console popular. It is true, but there is a synergy to it. So if you have a strong first party content, not only with our console, but with other platforms like computers, first party can be grown with multi-platform and that can help operating profit to move, to improve. So that is another one. So that is another one we want to proactively work on. I personally think there are opportunities out there for improvements of margins. So I would like to go aggressive in improving our margin performance, end quote. So all that said, you've got Sony saying we're taking a break on existing first party franchises and not necessarily taking a break. They're in development. Everybody knows that they're developing stuff, but you won't see anything existing franchise wise from them until at least March 2025. Then you have the PS5 being in the back half of its life cycle. So it's been out for three years and they're saying "Mm, another three years and we'll develop the PS6. Which is you got to figure. Xbox has said that they're aiming at the next Xbox in 2028. So that's something to take into account. And you have Sony now taking a more holistic approach to their gaming development. And you see that in Helldivers 2 releasing both PlayStation and PC same day. And they think that that's another way that they could help focus on the market is being able to release on PlayStation and and PC at the same time. So Alex, that's a lot of information. Let's go to you first to figure out how we're going to parse all this. Well, I mean, by the end of its life cycle, I still expect the PS5 to hit a million in sales, um, a million units sold. Um, we still have plenty of time for them to make a good amount of money off the PlayStation 5. Um, so honestly, do I think that they're going to get the next PlayStation out by 2027? No, I don't. Um and it's kind of surprising that they're not going to try to, with kind of the rocky start with COVID that they had to getting the PlayStation 5 out there, that they're not going to, you know, you spend all this time researching, developing this box. And then you would think that a lot of, you know, you would spend time then to reduce the cost of making that box. So then you could put a new model out there, it'd be cheaper. You could, you know, reduce your, or improve your margins. So I'm a little surprised by the fact that they're not going to try to ride the PS5 a little longer. Uh you know, is it simply about beating Xbox to the market? Because as Matt, as Matt mentioned, 2028 when they're aiming for the next Xbox. I don't really think that Sony really cares about beating Microsoft to the market so much anymore because Microsoft has shown that even though Sony and them are kind of in direct com- competition, it's becoming less and less by the day. Um, so Microsoft and Sony's focuses are no longer kind of the same thing. It's like each one of the console makers is kind of going their own ways. Nintendo's kind of been on their own thing for a while now, but it seems like Sony and Microsoft are not on the same level anymore, not because one's better than the other, but just because they have different visions for the future and how quickly to get there. Um, so I'm a little surprised to hear that they consider it to be the latter half of the life of the PS5. Um, I still don't think we'll see anything, you know, before 2027 as far as the, the, the console space, but um and as in the first party title stuff like i expect gosha shima 2 to be the next big first party game big first party sequel that we have to be announced next um it came out um before 
what two years before Horizon Forbidden West, so we'll likely see another another one of those games, uh, Goshima, before we see Horizon. Um, Uncharted, we're probably not going to see another one of those again, if not for you know, you know, maybe not for a long time, if ever. You know, Uncharted Four, I think, was kind of the stamp on that series. Last of Us, you know, we know that that Naughty Dog was working on the multiplayer factions thing, and that kind of fell through, and now they started working, you know, towards other projects. Last of Us, you're probably not going to see for you know quite a long time. Um, so it makes sense that, you know, I, I appreciate the openness and saying, Hey, if you're expecting something from us, from our existing titles, don't until, you know, this point, I appreciate the openness and the transparency, uh, but that does kind of leave them wide open to what are you making for us? Cause all we know is some of these live service games and Wolverine. Um, so again, I think that just telling us not to expect something before this time, they need to come out and say more and, and, and the next showcases. You know, their last state of play was pretty good. I think they need to show off more of their own first party stuff in the next one. Again, we if you're you're gonna spend that much money on a console and one of their consoles, you need to know what they're making for the console. And Sony hasn't done a good job of highlighting that recently. Um, but you know, the games that they have under their first party studios, The Last of Us, Horizon, uh, Ghost Tsushima, all of these are gonna take a while to produce. They're gonna take a while to make, gonna be very expensive. So if we don't see a Ghost of Tsushima before 2025, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, what will be surprising is to see something like Housemark, a smaller studio, or Bluepoint. Um, you know, what are they coming out for their next projects? Or did Bluepoint was Bluepoint one of the studios that showed off uh, a game at the State of Play last year? Does anyone remember? I feel like maybe I just they showed something off and I just don't remember. They didn't. Okay. Yeah, I don't Okay, I don't so Blue Point and Housemark, those are two studios that Sony owns. And, like, we, I mean, at some point in the future, I figure by the end of this year, we'll know what they're making. Not necessarily that there's going to be out, but they'll at least announce something. Um, so, uh, it doesn't surprise, it surprised me a little bit that we're in the, they're, they're moving to the latter half of the PS5 life cycle. It doesn't surprise me that we're not going to see anything from existing first party titles um, until, you know, the date they gave because they haven't shown anything yet and figured if they had it, they would show it. Um, or at least hint at it, and and yeah, like trying to improve profit margins. Well, that's a business, so that makes like that business end of it really like was just kind of like, duh. There was nothing said anything there that would enlighten anybody to their strategy because like, hey, we want to focus on profit margins and profit. Yeah, yeah, great. No duh. Yeah. Very good. Yield. Um, it's disappointing. I mean, it's not surprising because if you follow the video game industry, you kind of know when games are coming out, and and you know games do sneak up on you. You forget stuff, but um, there haven't you know there have been nothing in the in the works that was coming out this year. So for them to say that it's not coming out until twenty five, that's not a surprise. It's still kind of a a shock, so to speak, that they said that. But I, I attribute a lot of that to their shift to all these life service games, and then they shifted out of it. So now you've got, you know, a couple of years of development that's now either in limbo or in the trash. So you just can't whip anything up. So this is like a an, an in-year limbo, so to speak. Um, the, the latter half of the life cycle... It's disappointing because other than God of War and Spider-Man, 
exclusive wise, Horizon they ended up making for both. You know, I they haven't. I feel they haven't capitalized on the console yet. And if you're already hinting at the six and developing at the six, you know, like Alex said, you would figure with COVID, okay, we're going to give the console a couple of years. And don't you type in there, Tricky, that they haven't said anything because if reports are out, people are talking. Um, so I, to me, and this is a personal opinion. I feel at this point the five's kind of a, a failure. I know it's sold well, so financially wise, it's done really well. But at least in my from my gaming aspect, it I could have played everything on my four up to this point. You know, I, I, I said it last week. This is the first year I'm excited that I have a five because now I've got games to specifically play on my five. So it's just, they could come out and knock games out of the park on the latter half of this life cycle. I just feel we're a couple of years too early to be hinting and talking. And if we're hinting and talking about the six, then the five hasn't done enough to make you wonder what's next. It's just my opinion. Um, And then as for... The business aspect, it's interesting to hear the new CEO's take on it, that he kind of, this is what I read into it, that he likes where the company's going, but he can see where we can make more money. And that's where I need to get everybody to shift to, is, you know, we need to do it this way. We can make way more money. You don't have to change anything. So, like Alex said, it's nothing shocking or groundbreaking. It's just... You know, my job is to make money here, and that's what I'm going to do. So you've both hit on a couple points that I wanted to reiterate. And first and foremost, I I actually feel like the PS5 has had a strong first half, all things considered. I remember getting the PS4 and waiting and waiting and waiting for, I think, the first game that finally came out that I was thrilled about that was on the system was infamous second son. And then after that, I I don't recall much in the way of things that were like, all right, I absolutely needed this as the exclusive. I think final fantasy 15 was the next one here. We've gotten things like final fantasy seven, final fantasy 16, uh, Marvel, Spider-Man two ratchet and clank rift apart returnal. And and then you have a whole bunch of remasters and things like that. But it's it's been a strong first half, so to speak, but I feel like a six year cycle for a game in this day and age that's a tough pill to swallow. Uh, how how long was the PS4? Twenty thirteen to twenty twenty. Yeah, seven year cycle. Well, well so the, qu- the question cycle. is not when they. It's when they stopped. Because um, really, I mean, realistically, like said, sorry, yield. Um, he still plays on his PlayStation 4. You you still have Nitro and other people playing on their PlayStation 4. So that's not a dead console. People are still using it. And people are still buying content for that console. So you can't just say when the PlayStation 5 comes out at the end of the cycle. The cycle continues on until, you know, while they're still making money on it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it does. Yeah, it does. It's it's the problem is is when they say it's the latter half, it means that they're going to start talking about the next cycle. And while they're going to continue developing for it, 
you know that their focus is on getting the next system out. Yeah, and your top teams are going to start now focusing on games for the six. Which, frankly, could be fine if they go into it with the same mindset of backwards compatibility that they did from the PS4 to the PS5 because they learned their lesson when Xbox spanked them in the Xbox 360 PS3 era. So... It's I'm fine with them starting to develop the next uh, technology, but my issue is, is what technology has come out that warrants the next cycle of consoles? Uh, we were talking about this pre- pre-show, and I said, Sony has 8K gaming on their box. And what world is that a practical application that they're touting that as a feature? Now, Tricky and, and Yield turned around and said, well, maybe maybe that's a thing where uh, they wanted to tout that over the Xbox. But to me, you're, you're touting something that's not realistic. I said it this, PlayStation, you still have games that require you to choose between 4K 30 FPS versus uh, uh, their their fidelity mode versus no ray tracing uh, 60 FPS performance mode. And my issue with that is if your game if your console is so technologically advanced that you're you're touting 8k gaming, why can you not do 4k ray tracing with with more than 30 FPS? Maybe you're limited by your architecture. Maybe you're limited by the technology you can cram in there. You know I'm a PC gamer, and there's PCs out there that can do 4K gaming with ray tracing on at higher than 30 FPS. Now, I will admit, you're spending more on a PC that can do that than you would on a console. But you're starting to get consoles that are edging up towards $600, and we saw how well that went for the PS3. It nearly killed the PS3, in my opinion. And if you're doing that now with these with these newer consoles that Xbox and PlayStation are obviously starting on, they're, they're not sitting on the laurels. You've got a hardware department that is going back there, researching, building stuff, building prototypes. And you're going to make the next console, but you're the difficulty is predicting what chipsets you're going to be using in the future because you're not using the ones that are available today. You're working with the AMDs. You're working with the Intels. You're working with with anybody who makes a chipset to develop your chipset in the future. And that's how you get the edge in the console market. So couple that with Sony coming out saying, well, we want to start leveraging the PC community more because that's what I'm hearing from from uh, Totoki is that he wants to leverage the ability to sell games on something that isn't under their control, meaning their console. Yes, they put out exclusives to try to get people to their console. But now what you have is they're realizing that there's a whole PC market out there that are buying their games. People are, are they're breaking records selling God of War. Horizon, Spider-Man, and, and heaven forbid one day they get Bloodborne on, on the PC. I swear to God, the internet is going to break if they make that announcement. 
But what you end up having are these sales on PC for something you don't have to manufacture. You don't have to put a console out there. You could just go based off of the quality of your games and put it on a PC and people are buying it. You see this with Helldivers. You see the popularity. We discussed the numbers. And it's crazy. 330,000 people playing on PC alone at the same time. Not not unique users, people playing it at the same time. And what you have is Sony finally realizing, and I've been saying this for years, there's money in PC gaming that they're leaving on the table. Does that cannibalize their sales on the consoles? I don't think so, because you're going to have people that only can afford a console, and they're going to buy that. Then you have people who can afford a PC and they spent so much on the PC, they can't afford the console. So they're going to play that and play games there. Xbox knows this. That's why they put Game Pass on the PC. Sony needs to really take an effort and make games day and date available to the PC players because you're going to tap in a market that doesn't access your inherent uh, uh, system, your consoles that you're putting out there. So it it's just something that they're leaving on the table and they need to start getting their head out of their asses to, to understand that that market is viable and willing to buy their games. I have plenty of friends, I'm not saying that accounts for the whole market, but I have plenty of friends who don't own PlayStation, but the second Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and I guarantee you when Spider-Man 2 comes out, that's a day one purchase for them because they love those games and they want to play them. Well, and also <sighs> that was a lot here, of. Let's stuff. be real. Um, nobody is going to. If you're playing on a PC, no one's going to stop playing PC or drop the PC to go buy a PlayStation, a home console. Like if you're a PlayStation gamer or a PC gamer, that's your that's your chosen platform. Now you may own another console, but Sony, I guess, realizing that they're not really in competition with PC. PC players are going to play PC, and if you want to actually make more money, you should probably sell to them as well. Because really, the, the the battle's never been PC versus PlayStation. It's always been or it's always been PlayStation versus Xbox. Ma- that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Well, it does so for me. Here's 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 the the flip side to that. I barely touch my Xbox Series X because you can play everything on your PC. I play most things on my PC. But the things I will say is there's games I like getting physically and having available that I keep on my Xbox transformers devastation. I pick that up. So that way I can have that and play it on my console when I want to. And, and who's to say the same thing won't happen on PC. But again, me as a 41, God, am I 41 or 42? 41 took me way too long. That's problem as a 41 year old gamer with a pretty reasonable job and pretty reasonable income, and I can afford all of them, there are certain games that I will pick up on a PlayStation to sit and play on my couch because it's a different gaming environment on my PC versus what I'm playing on my couch. But I'm starting to run into issues on PC, or I'm sorry, on PlayStation that I have on my PC. Every time I lose power, my PS5 acts like it's the end of the world and has to repair all my drives <laughs> because I left it in in uh, rest mode. Rest mode. My PC, my PC restarts like like I give a shit. Okay, here recover done. But 
PS5 acts like it's it's the end of the world. I I have an Xbox controller hooked up to my PC. Steam now has support for PS5 DualSense. So there's no reason that that you can't make that work on a PC. So I know it's a I know it's a certain environment Sony wants best control over to have the best ways to play that, but it's it's a different world these days and having a dedicated console and i think xbox is realizing this is it's not necessarily the biggest thing anymore even though it is a thing that they still want to continue doing all right that was a lot about ps5 and we're nearing two hours so let's go to shout outs uh yield your shout outs please uh shout out to you heard us shout outs so, shout out to uh, Matt for hosting, Alex for being here, Tricky for being in the background. He surprisingly wasn't uh, as producey as he is when he's in the background. Uh, shout out to everybody who was hanging out in the Twitch chat and probably the TikTok live. Tricky said he was doing that. If anybody was there, hi. Uh, shout out to uh, Gareth for all that he does with uh, his trophy competition. Uh, shout out to everybody who voted for uh, Red Dead as the platinum for January. And also the whoever congratulated me, I know there was a few of you, Rick, and I think a couple other people who uh, gave me a shout out for my 10,000 trophies. Uh, thank you. I kind of, it snuck, it didn't, and it kind of snuck up on me. So that, that's kind of a nice little feather in my cap, gaming cap. Um, shout out to my Helldivers crew, uh, Prepare to Die or Scum, Homer Get Stuff, The Brain 76, Harry Balls on you. Um, we are spreading managed democracy one species at a time. And it's comical. I, I, I should Honestly, I should probably, well, I, I could stream it more, but then I might get myself kicked off the of stream because... We kind of go off the walls, so I, I don't know about that. Um, anyway, um, and shout out to all the pimps and the matters of the whoredom for downloading, listening, hanging out with us, interacting with us on social medias, all that. Oh, and also a shout out to Alex Nitro and the Brain76 for Rocket League on Thursday. I forgot I did play that. Um, we had some fun doing two V2s. That's it for me. All right. Uh, Tricky, do me a favor, type your shout outs in chat. So while Alex is doing his, you can populate that and I will read them off. Alex, your shout out, sir. I'll give a shout out to our community, the fuel to the fire, this trophy horrors, our tremendous listeners. Thank you all very much for uh, continuing to support the show here in 2024 and pushing us forward. Uh, we march on to episode 700. Uh, it's no time, you know, soon, but we're, we're going to make it there and it's all because of you all. Uh, give a shout out to, to Tricky, who could not be here with us. He was producing tonight, but he couldn't be on the show because he's not allowed to talk a lot right now. I uh, give a shout out to Yield, and especially to Matt for hosting. Uh, thank you, Matt, for for taking that on, and, and you know, especially doing all the the little notes on the agenda that you do. And uh, yeah, last but not least, give a shout out to my awesome and loving girlfriend Ashley. I love you, hun. Um, and yeah, that is going to be the end of my shout outs. And uh, oh. Tricky said hey. in the show, go the, ahead, or in the notes that he has no shout outs. Oh, uh, and also uh, uh, a shout out to V for doing all her behind the scenes stuff that she does. Yes, posting the uh, social media posts and trying to get questions for us. We do appreciate that. 
And for taking good care of Zelda. All right. She definitely does take care of take good care of Zelda, and I appreciate that. Uh, so yeah, shout out to my wife V. Thank you for everything you do, both on and off the show. Uh, spoiler alert: there we're working on a project, something coming along down the line. Not sure when we're going to get it off the ground, but definitely it'll be coming along. Uh, shout out to those who are in chat. I saw J Klein. I saw V. I saw Saber. I saw Parky. Uh, if I missed anybody, I apologize, but thank you for coming out and listening to us BS for a couple hours. Shout out to the channel three community. Come out to channel three to gamify your social media, earn some XP, have some fun talking about games and our love of games and all the things that we do with games. Uh, and special shout out also Saber Rider T Diddy go, uh, download his Hunter Houston, Sports games, podcasts, and his wrestling tornado. So if you like wrestling, it's a good, uh, good conversation. And uh, shout out to Alex Yield. Thank you for letting me run things tonight. Shout out to Tricky. Hope you feel better. For those of you who don't uh, go on Facebook, Tricky put out a post. Uh, he recently had to have surgery on his mouth. And no, it's not because he keeps spouting New Jersey, New York Rangers stuff. Uh, he generally had something he needed to get fixed and the doctor is recommending, you know, take it easy on talking for a while. So he'll be here producing. He'll still be around taking comments and things like that. So definitely feel free to uh, comment, ask about him. And uh, we wish you feeling better soon, buddy. Uh, otherwise, shout out to you and shout out to the community. So with that said, in Tricky's words, until next time, happy trophy hunting. Later. Yeah. song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash Even Philippines.